there. And we're going to talk about how to train our children. And uh, I'm not scheduled to preach on Father's Day this year. One of our other elders is supposed to be preaching. So uh, maybe this is for moms and dads, Mother's Day, Father's Day, all rolled into one. Usually what happens every year is there's a couple of men who uh, are like, you're so nice to the moms on Mother's Day. And then you pick on us on Father's Day. So I think it's a little unmanly to whine like that, but, um, <laughs> but maybe this year we're both going to get challenged on, uh, on Mother's Day, and um, hopefully this will be practical and helpful and not end up, end up sounding like an old man rant. Um, so, so I have three kids, uh, you know, they're 16 22 and, and 26, and uh, I preached about parenting uh, at different times over the years. Uh, it's, it's a little, there's a little less anxiety now because I think we have a pretty good idea of how they turned out as opposed to when they were little, and you know, I might have been preaching about parenting and wondering if Molly was beating up some kid in the preschool class while I was preaching about parenting. <laughs> Oh, you would never do that, right, Molly? No, because you're the perfect child, right? That, that's almost true, actually. But, uh, uh, but uh, you know, I think the older I get, the less I feel like I know about parenting. Um, you know, I think there's a few basic biblical principles, and then beyond that, it's probably pray for a lot of grace. Uh, I definitely do not claim to have it all figured out. Uh, kind of can relate to some of you know the famous of uh, the famous preacher David Jeremiah. He said, "When I started in ministry, I had no kids and five theories about parenting. Now I have five kids and zero theories about parenting, and uh, I, I can relate to that." But uh, we're going to look at at in particular, just kind of an overview, because I've only got about 30 minutes of just some of the basic things that um, the Bible says about how to train our children. And one of the things I, I think about uh, adults and kids, you know, sometimes we'll talk about kids and people talk about this generation and oh, the kids these days. Uh, something that I believe is, uh, for the most part, kids are not the problem, adults are the problem. Right, because kids are supposed to be kids and adults are supposed to be adults and adults are supposed to be shaping and, and, and guiding kids. And a lot of the stuff that um, uh, kids are dealing with or, or even a lot of the things that they do uh, have to do with what they're getting from adults. I, I mean, I have a, a great affinity for teachers. Both my parents were career elementary school teachers. Uh, Robin works at, at, at a school. And I, I think a lot of times teachers are just kind of expected to be miracle workers. And uh, I mean, I guess occasionally they are, but I mean, when you have kids whose home life is an absolute wreck, they have no clue who their dad is. There's a revolving series uh, of men coming through the door. Uh, maybe somebody's on drugs. Maybe, uh, you know, they're being raised by a grandparent because of whatever is going on uh, with, with the parents. They don't have encouragement. They don't have discipline. They're not fed properly. They're, uh, you know, they don't get to, they don't sleep properly properly because of lack of adult supervision. Then they come to school and teachers are supposed to work miracles with them while having their hands tied by bureaucracy and all these other kind of things. That, that's, a, that's a tough thing. And the issue is not kids. The issue is adults. 
So uh, what I want to do this morning is uh, I want to give us kind of two just basic principles and then just looking at one verse in Ephesians chapter 6 and, and look at some um, principles that it gives us there for actually how to train uh, our, our children. So here's the first thing I want you to think of. And Brett you know, said something in introducing the worship set that really alluded to this. And that is we need to understand the world is trying to train our kids. The world is trying to train our kids. Parenting is spiritual warfare. Do you understand? This doesn't exist in a vacuum. It's not all neutral. Because in trying to live the Christian life or do anything for Christ, we're always fighting the world, the flesh, and the devil. So Satan wants to ruin your kids. He wants to ruin your family. Your kids have a fleshly sin nature that you're having to work uh, to overcome. You know, they're born as sinners. They're cute little sinners, but they're sinners. And you're fighting against that every day. But then, you know, the world is seeking to disciple your kids. Here, here's a biblical example of that. Daniel chapter 1, you know, the, the Babylonian captivity. Um, uh, you know, Judah is taken captive in Babylon. And then notice what it says, starting in verse 3. It says, And the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. Young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace. In other words, he was saying, pick out the cream of the crop. And the ones that are good-looking and smart and gifted and talented, but this is what we're going to do with them. He says, uh, whom, we, whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans, and the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine in which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. And that's just an example, but the same thing is going on 24-7 today. The world is trying to shape and form and mold your kids into its image. The internet is discipling your kids. School, the government is trying to disciple your kids, my kids. Um, the, the world, TV, commercials, media is trying to train our children in, in, a, in a certain worldview. And so just understand that. That's part of what we're dealing with. And so, uh, you know, if you think that bringing them, you know, to church and them getting an hour and 15 minutes there a week is going to uh, counteract what they are getting dozens of hours of the rest of the time, I don't know how that's going to work. What are you pouring into them day in and day out? Second, and, and this is so important, we need to understand that we are always training children. It's not an issue if, if you're training your kids. The issue is, are you pointing them to Jesus or are you pointing them away from Jesus? Because we're always training our kids. I mean, think about it. When you discipline them or you don't discipline them, you're training them. How you discipline them 
is training them. Whether or not you discipline them in anger or in love. But it doesn't matter which way. I mean, if you, you say, you were supposed to train our kids by disciplining them. Yes. But if someone doesn't discipline their kids, that's training them in unrighteousness. It's training them to think that there's not consequences to their actions. It's training them to think that they can get away with things. It's training them that they don't need a savior because the whole idea of the gospel is that we're guilty before a holy God, as the law tells us, that uh, for the wages of sin is death, that we reap what we sow. But if when they're little, they don't get, they don't, uh, they're not instructed it's not uh, enforced by their parents that they really reap what they sow, why would they think they're actually going to reap what they sow with God? And so when that happens, a generation arises that does what's right in its own eyes, in the words of the book of Judges. You know, how we respond to other people is training our kids. You may tell your kids to be nice, but if, they, if uh, you're at a restaurant, somebody gets your order wrong and you blow up, you're training your kids. We're always training our kids. How we talk to and about other people is training our kids. Do our kids ever see us pray? Do they see us open God's word? That's training our kids. What we watch, what we listen to is training our kids. Their screen time, I mean, it's like, if, if your way of coping with uh, kids, I, I was in uh, Walmart yesterday, and just, there's a kid walking down the aisle with his parent who's, um, you know, on, I don't know if it's a cell phone, some kind of little tablet, uh, something like that. Like, if you can't walk through a store without a screen, I mean, if that's how you try to occupy your kids or get them out of your hair or that kind of thing, uh, when they're a teenager, don't be like, all my kid ever wants to do is be on their screen. They don't want to interact with the rest of the family or anybody else. You've trained them. Um, you know, whether or not, like, church attendance is just part of your life or it's a coin flip every week, you're training your kids and how they're going to think about the church as they grow up. How you treat your spouse I mean, you're training them for marriage at, at, at that point. Whether or not you hang in there when times are tough in marriage, you're, you're tr training them as to whether or not marriage is permanent or it's convenient. You know, our anger or lack thereof, whether or not we forgive, whether or not we apologize. You know, when we apologize to our kids, and we should, I have to mind many times, we're training our kids in repentance, when we don't, we're training them in the opposite. We're always training our kids. That's not the issue. The issue is how are we training our kids? What are we actually showing them and teaching them and putting into them? Well, what should we be putting into them? How do we actually train them? Well, let's look at what Ephesians uh, 6.4 uh, says. It says, and you fathers... And I think it certainly applies to both parents, but he would be uh, speaking to fathers here in this context as, as the head of the household. You fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And the word training here from the Greek means to teach through discipline, 
The word admonition means to teach through verbal instruction. So he's saying we're to do both. It, it, it takes both, to teach through discipline, to teach through uh, verbal in, in instruction. And, and so just want to point out uh, you know, five ways to properly train our children that I think we see uh, in, in this verse if we understand fully what it's saying. You know, number one, we're to train our kids through a godly example. Uh, he says, don't provoke them uh, to wrath, which could mean a couple of different things. It could mean don't treat them in such a way, don't live before them in such a way that we uh, push them to live in a way where they're going to experience the wrath of God in uh, their lives. Or it could mean to treat them, not to treat them in such a way where we exasperate them, where we embitter them. Now, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you as a parent necessarily if your kid gets mad at you. In fact, I would argue if your kid never gets mad at you, you're probably not a very good parent, but you're probably being too lenient. Uh, that's not what it's talking about, but it's talking about uh, you know, uh, treating them in such a way that there is, there's just going to be bitterness inside of them, or like I said, it's going to point them towards uh, the wrath of God. And you know, we can do this uh, in, in many different ways. Uh, we can certainly do it by hypocrisy. We can do it in... Uh, uh, you know, spoiling them. We can do it in being too tough on them. It can certainly be done through abuse. I mean, you, we could probably, you know, put our heads together and think of dozens of ways uh, that, that we do this. But um, the, the, the idea is we can say whatever we want to say, but our lives speak louder than our words. And we're training them by our example. Proverbs 20, verse 7 says, The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. So can we say that we're walking in integrity and, and that's what our kids are seeing from our lives? Do you know the research shows that the most likely way for your kid who has grown up in church to grow up and not actually be a follower of Christ is if they, if you say one thing, uh, especially when it comes to spiritual things, and they see you doing a, another thing at home. That statistically speaking, it's more likely for someone who has grown up in a completely non-Christian, unchurched home to be, grow up and be a follower of Christ than it is for someone who has grown up in that kind of spiritual environment. It's the power of example. And once again, all of us blow it. None of us get it right all the time. That's why it's important for us when we do blow it to apologize to our kids. And when we do that, we're modeling repentance to them. Number two, if we're going to train our children properly, we do it through love. It's interesting here, uh, the, the word that he uses, bring them up, is the same Greek word that's translated nourish 
in, in the chapter before when it's talking about a husband loving his wife as Christ loved the church. And so Ephesians 5, 28 and 29 says, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes, and, and that's the word that's translated, uh, bring them up here and cherishes it just as the Lord uh, does the church. And, and so basically what he's saying here, we're to nourish our, our children. We're, we're, we're to love them, bring them up, build them up. He's not talking about training in, in, in a harsh kind of way. We're not talking about our homes being like basic training. He, he's talking about the atmosphere being one of love, one of nourishing, one of encouraging, one of, one of building up, one of valuing them. Um, you know, if we're going to train our kids, it comes out of them knowing how loved they are, knowing how valued they are. It comes out of a relationship uh, with them. Uh, Josh McDowell, the famous speaker, used to say something when he talked about parenting that is so wise. He said, rules without relationship equals rebellion. Rules without relationship equals rebellion, especially as their kids are in the teenage years and as they become adults, even if they're going the wrong way, I think the wisest thing that we can do is do everything we can to keep the relationship with them because out of that relationship in time, good things can happen as their hearts uh, open up uh, to the Lord. So we're to set an example, we're to love them, but number three, we properly train our children through discipline. We properly train our children through discipline. Now, let me just give you some thoughts about this. So, do you understand that, that the idea of disciplining our kids is actually a theological issue? It's, it's rooted in the fact that Scripture tells us that God disciplines those that he loves, and so if we love our kids, the Bible tells us in Proverbs repeatedly, we will discipline them. In fact, it says if we don't, we actually hate them. And so why is this so important? Well, once again, this is a theological issue. So I kind of said something about this before, but we are all sinners. We sin because we're sinners. Nature determines conduct, so our children are born to sin. Right? I don't think we should have to have the Bible to know this, right? I mean, when you're three-year-old, your two-year-old, whatever, bites someone, I don't think anybody's assuming it's because you've done biting training with them, <laughs> right? Somehow it's in them. I mean, you've not trained them to, I don't think, to tell you no all the time, but it's in them. There's, we're rebellious by nature. So training then is working to overcome and subdue their sin nature. So that's hard work. But can I just tell you, it's a whole lot harder work to try to do it at 15 than it is at two. So you can pay now or you can pay later, but when you pay later, the price is always greater. So that's just the reality. You got a choice to make. So like I said before, it's crucial that we teach them right and wrong. 
and that the reality and the reality of every action having a consequence. Now, this is important just practically in, in life in the world because if we don't teach them that when they're young, somebody else is gonna have to teach them that when they're older or they're gonna find that out in the school of hard knocks. But it's vital spiritually because if they don't get that they're sinners under the judgment of God, why do they need to be saved? So, you know, we can say that, but they have to experience the consequence of sin or um, they're not going to see the need for a Savior. They're not really going to feel, they may hear in church, oh, we're sinners, but what's that really going to mean to them? So a lack of discipline makes them think they can get away with things and obscures their perception of a need for the gospel. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, what about self-esteem? If we uh, tell them they're sinners, aren't we going to hurt their self-esteem? Um, what should I say about this? <laughs> well, when you, uh, when, when you um, evaluate the truth of something, you look at the, root, the, the fruit of it, what comes out of it. Root determines fruit. Uh, you know, one of the ways to determine truth is the correspondence. Does it correspond to reality? How does it work? What happens? Well, you know, for the last 50 to 60 years, uh, we have had this huge emphasis on self-esteem in our society. What's the fruit of it? The most depressed generations in the history of the world. Because if, if you are told from birth, basically in effect, that you're the center of the universe, and you're put in the place of God, you're going to end up being disappointed. Even beyond that, if, um, you know, you're just puffed up and, you know, there's no consequences and uh, everybody gets a blue ribbon and um, everybody, is, you're okay, I'm okay, you do you, you do what you uh, want to do and, uh, you know, you're just continually puffed up and, and, and all these kind of things and you're told you can do anything, you can be anything you want, well, the reality is you can't and so that's going to lead to disappointment, and that's going to lead to emptiness if you're told it's all about you, and that either you, you succeed and you're proud, or you fail and you're destroyed. What's a better way to raise your kids? Well, see, this is the beauty of the gospel, because until we see the cross against the backdrop of sin, we don't really understand the grace of God. You see, self-image is important. I'm not saying that, but here's, here's a healthy self-image. It's seeing yourself as God sees you, nothing less and nothing more. How does God see us? God sees us as made in his image. He also sees us as fallen, as sinners, 
But he still loves us, even as sinners, so much that he gave his son to die for us and that we're saved by his grace, even though we don't deserve it. And so how does this translate into parenting? It's telling our kids that they are made by God and everybody's made by God. And so everybody is valuable and everybody's to be loved and everybody's to be treated with respect. But at the same time, even though this is who we are, we've done things that are wrong. But God still loves us, and Jesus loves us so much that he died for us. And listen, you're going to do things that are wrong, and we're going to correct you, but we love you. Discipline is not about their identity. Discipline is about correcting activity. In fact, I think a biblical definition of discipline, and I don't have time to develop this a whole lot, is it's breaking down their self-will while building up their spirit and their heart at the same time. That's biblical discipline. That's how God treats us. Because once you're saved, you're secure. Nobody can pluck you out, ever, ever pluck you out of your father's hand. He disciplines us because he loves us uh, to keep us from completely ruining our lives, but he never pushes us away. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And, and listen, uh, kids, what they need, and I think what they want, is some firm, consistent standards, but at the same time, love and, and acceptance and knowing that we're never going to push them away. That's what kids need. That's, that's how you raise healthy, well-developed kids. It's not by telling them that they're the center of the universe all the time and giving them uh, everything they want. And um, it, it, it's, it's certainly not, though, by, you know, no standards, but it's not by, you know, beating them down, breaking them down. If, if you have a relationship with them, you can build them up and discipline them at the same time. So discipline is necessary. But number four, we properly train our children through teaching. Once again, training means um, to teach through discipline. Admonition means verbal instruction. It, it means to you know, teach them uh, with words. And uh, we read before we did the baby de uh, dedication, Deuteronomy 6-7, we're to diligently train our children. So are we pouring God's word into them? But, you know, it's just not about the spiritual side of things. Are, are we making sure they're, they're properly educated? Are we imparting life wisdom to them? Are we teaching them the things uh, that they need to know on a consistent basis? I, I think one of the best things we can do as parents is just use teachable moments as things uh, come up. Uh, you know, I said before, the, the, the world is, is trying to disciple our kids. It doesn't mean we run and hide in a hole somewhere. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean that we go somewhere where there's no Wi-Fi or anything like that. But, but how about watching stuff with your kids and talking about it with them and showing them how it relates to scripture and showing them why it's wise or unwise or, or, or those kind of things. Um, but you may say, well, I don't know how to teach my kids. You know, we, we provide everybody that wants it. Everybody goes to the membership class. Anybody can have it that comes to True Life. Right now, media, it's got all kinds of kids stuff on it. You know, use that, talk to them about it. But once again, it's our responsibility to train, to teach our kids. Yes, the church is supposed to supplement that. But, uh, I mean, I've heard so many parents over the years say, well, I raised my kids in church. I don't understand why they turned out this way. And I'm thinking, that's just one piece of the puzzle. 
That, that's, that's really, a, you know, a secondary piece of the puzzle, not the main one. And so then uh, the, the last thing I want to point out to you in this verse is he says in the training and admonition of the Lord, of the Lord. So uh, once again, th- you know, this is, this is practical. It may be teaching your kids how to drive, uh, w- whatever it may be. But ultimately, he's talking spiritually here. We properly train our children through pointing them to Jesus. So here's one of my convictions about parenting. Parenting is discipleship, if you're a Christian. A- at the end of the day, parenting is discipleship. It's our job to try to raise them up to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. You're saying parenting's not about today. Now, I know that's easy for me to say at this point. I'm not a mom with three or four kids under six or seven or whatever where you're literally just trying to survive the day. And uh, I have no real comprehension of that, but nothing but respect for you. But it's not about today. It's really about 10, 15, 20, 25 years from now. How are they living their lives? What do they believe? What are they pouring into their kids? Are they serving God? Are they walking with God? Ultimately, we're parenting uh, for the future. And and so I, I really believe parenting is discipleship. Ultimately, they're not ours. They belong to the Lord. It's a stewardship. He's entrusted uh, them to us for a season, and we're going to have to answer to him for what we did with them. So, you know, Jesus said in Mark eight thirty six, he says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and lose, loses his own soul? Let me kind of paraphrase that for parenting. What will it profit us if we give our kids everything this world has to offer and they lose their souls? I mean, what's, what's the priority? So really, I believe our priority in prayer and actions should be to do everything we can to personally help them to trust Jesus when they're old enough. Not pushing it on them, not trying, uh, you know, just to get them to pray a prayer because, you know, salvation is not uh, accepting a plan, it's trusting a person. And so we need to be careful with that. But, you know, we started praying for our kids' salvation before they were even born. That should be the number one priority when it's all said and done. And so that would mean practically to be gospel-centered in how we parent them and not just moralistic, not just making it all about outward things, making it about the heart, not just trying to raise them up to be good little boys and girls. You know what one of the things that we all have to fight when it comes to parenting is? is pride. How do our kids make us look to other people? And can I just tell you, they're going to make us look bad sometimes. (laughs) You might as well just go ahead and deal with it. And um, because it's reality. And just remember, there'll be opportunities when they're teenagers to get them back. You can embarrass them then, or there'll be opportunities when they have kids to laugh at them. And, um, but it's just, just part of the deal. 
But are we going to parent by pride? Are we going to parent by principle? Are we going to parent, uh, you know, to form Christ in their hearts or to make us look good because of what they're doing uh, outwardly? You know, ultimately, if they belong to God and he's entrusted them to us, what we should be trying to do is to cooperate with the working of the Spirit of God in their lives to, to seek to develop them into who God wants them to be. Not who we want them to, you know, not try to, uh, you know, live the athletic glory that we never got through our kids. To, but, you know, to work with the Lord. I mean, I remember one of our parents uh, one time saying something like, I'm praying that uh, one of our kids gets saved so the Holy Spirit can take over. Um, you know, that kind of thing. So we're preparing them for the future. But let me just close with, with, with this thought. And, and, and I want to challenge them with this. And, and it's kind of a leadership principle that applies to parenting. That is, we have to remember that this begins with us. You know, if we're, if we're always training our kids, it's just a question of are we putting, pour, pouring Jesus into them or pointing them away from Jesus? Uh, you know, Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way that, that he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. People take that wrong. It's not a promise. It's not an absolute guarantee, but it is saying if, if we, you know, lead them in the right way, there's a really good chance that's the way they're going to go. If we lead them in the wrong way, there's a li- really good chance that that's how they're going to go. But it begins with us, so he- here's the idea. We can't give what we don't have or we can't lead where we've never been. Let me say that again. We can't give what we don't have or we can't lead where we've never been. And so if we want to raise our kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, if we want to uh, do what God's called us to do and raise them up to be fully devoted followers of Christ, to, to love him, to serve him, to live for him, to fulfill his plan and purpose and, and calling on their lives, we better be walking with him. We better know his word. We better be filled with his spirit. Uh, we uh, better be setting the pace because we can't give what we don't have or we can't lead where we've never been. And so um, some of this may start for some of us. Instead of trying to fix something in our kids, it may start in something getting fixed with us. It may start with repentance in us. It may start at looking, are we setting the right example? How are we showing love to them? How are we disciplining them? What are we doing to teach them? Um, Once again, I know it's Mother's Day, but, but men, I guess I can't resist. Biblically, it says, you fathers, if we're the head of the household, that's not a perk. That's a responsibility. And we're challenged to lead the way. So some of you, maybe you don't know Christ yourself, and, and, and the start for you is to acknowledge your sin and repent and trust Jesus and receive the grace of God, commit your life to him. Maybe for, for some of you, it would be to uh, you know, begin to uh, 
Let's make it a priority in your life to, to be in God's word daily, to be in prayer, to seek to walk in the spirit, and, and just to seek God for what you need to do with your children. Maybe there's something you need to apologize to your kids for. Maybe there's something uh, husband and wife need to talk about, some adjustments you need to make in your home. Maybe some of you men need to step up and take the lead in your home. Maybe some of you ought to sign up for men's leadership training this fall and, and be equipped, be discipled, be prepared to do this, learn how to lead in the way that God wants you to lead in, in, in your home. But I just want us to remember what's at stake. If the world's all the time trying to train our kids, trying to lead them in the wrong way, before God, we're standing between them and the world. And someday we're going to stand before God and answer for what we do with this responsibility that he's given us. And, and, and you know, ultimately when it's all said and done, Scripture's very clear. I mean, there's a whole chapter in the Bible about this, Ezekiel chapter 18, that as our kids grow up, they have a choice to make. We can train them right. They can rebel against it. We can completely screw it up. And by the grace of God, they can choose to go in a different way. They can choose to go in the right way. And so I completely understand that. But what do we need to do to give them the best chance to become who God wants them to be? I'm telling you, life is short and there's a lot at stake, and it's so easy when they're little to get caught up in the moment and get caught up in the busyness and, and, and to get caught up in, uh, you know, ferrying them back and forth to all their different activities and all these kind of things. And, you know, I guess maybe because I have a kid that's about to get married, and you get to that point, you realize there's a whole lot more important things than that. Are they really prepared to live the life that God wants them to live? That's our job. I mean, when we talk about what's God's will for my life, if you've got kids, this isn't something you have to pray about. It's in the Bible. And so just know this is a huge part of what God's called you to do. And if you do this, you've had a pretty successful life. It doesn't matter what else you do. Let's pray. Father, I pray that by your...